Canine Cast number 24. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Canine Cast. This is Tara. And hello, everyone. This is Walter. On the last show, Canine Cast number 23, we talked about pet insurance. And we also talked about Responsible Dog Ownership Day, which is the 17th of September. Just wanted to let you know about that in case you missed it, and you can find that show and all the previous shows on caninecast.com. Thanks, Walter. Since we recorded our last show, we received quite a few emails from listeners, so tonight I'm going to go over and answer some questions and also share a very touching story from those emails. Our first email is from Sherry in Minnesota, and she writes in that she's been listening to the Canine Cast shows and that in one of the shows she heard about the 30-minute downstay. She writes, I intend on trying this with my dog, but I wanted to ask your opinion on a few things in addition. Here's the lowdown. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old tricolored smooth collie named Barrett. I got him when he was eight weeks old, and we began obedience training before he was 12 weeks old. After several sessions, I decided it would be good if my roommate went into the ring with him so he learned to listen to more humans than just me. He took to the training very quickly, but just as quickly determined that it wasn't worth working if there wasn't a treat at the end of the line. He has moved on from obedience training to agility. The problem I have with him is twofold. One, obedience to him means working in the ring, not outside of it. But again, as long as there's treats involved, he'll pretty much do anything I, we, ask him to do. This is the main reason I'm curious to see how the 30-minute downstay will work. Two, we've recently moved into a new home, and he barks whenever people slash kids walk, ride, or scooter by on the sidewalk across the street. If he's out in the backyard, he'll bark and run from one end of the yard to the other, hair standing on end. We've tried calming him, which I'm afraid only reinforced the behavior, averting his attention and grabbing his collar and just holding him until he stops. He also lunges full strength at bicycles that pass by during our walks. Barrett's first obedience trainer suggested that we try controlled downs where we pin him down and hold him down until he stops fighting. This was incredibly traumatic to him, and we discontinued the practice after he expressed his anal glands during the drill. She also suggested that since he hated getting his nails trimmed, we wait until he was asleep and sneak up on him and do one at a time. These two directives we received from her completely backfired. One, we cannot hold him down at all at any time or his stress level skyrockets. Two, if either of us approach him while he's sleeping or relaxing, he jumps up, afraid we're planning a sneak attack again. He goes to the groomer to get his nails clipped and bathes. What I'd like to achieve with him is a level of dominance where he listens to me regardless of if I have a treat or not. I'm hoping the 30-minute downstay will help me achieve that. My concern, however, is getting him to stay there for 30 minutes. You said most dogs will likely get up and down several times during the first few attempts. My question is, if he does get up, how do I get him back down? I can coax him with treats, but he'll likely get frustrated that he's not getting the treat right away. I cannot hold him down or face the wrath of the anal glands. No one wants to go down that path. Can you offer any further suggestions for me? Well, Sherry, I absolutely can. Um, we, we have a bit of area here to cover with a few different questions, so I'll just go ahead and start at the beginning. Um, first, you had said that obedience for him is working in the ring, but not necessarily outside of it. Um, now, first of all, the fact that he'll do anything for treats is actually a really good thing. That will help you out a lot because you can always use that. 
What happens a lot of times when we see dogs who will work in the ring but not outside of it, or even dogs who will work, say, in your home but not outside your home, is that dogs are not very good at generalization. And what I mean by that is just because they learn to do something in one place in one situation doesn't mean that they will do it in other situations. So that's one good thing that you had started having your roommate train him as well because that will help him to respond to more people as you as you had said that that's what you were hoping to do so that's that's a good thing but what you're going to want to do if you want him to be obedient um, pretty much anywhere and everywhere is to start working with him pretty much anywhere and everywhere the way you do when you're doing obedience in the ring when you start somewhere new, however, you can't expect your dog to perform at the same level as they would somewhere else. Um, for example, in the obedience ring, he may know how to sit and stay for a full minute because he's used to doing it there. But if you try doing that in a park where there's other people and kids around, then that would be very distracting. It'll be a new situation and trying to get him to stay there for a minute may be very difficult. So what you would want to do is go down and have him stay for just a few seconds and then treat him and make a big fuss and work up from there the same way that you would have had to worked up in the obedience ring in the first place. Then go ahead and try it maybe at a, 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 a pet supply store. Try it maybe while you're on a walk and you see a cat and you know he's going to see the cat, but you want to teach him to stay anyway. Just think of different things that can be distracting in new situations. Try all of your di- all of your different obedience behaviors in these new situations with these new distractions. Remember to make it easier on him so that he has a chance to succeed and then build up to him being able to do it as well in new situations as he does in the obedience ring which is a situation that he already knows. Now, so far as the food, when you're putting him in a new situation that's more difficult, definitely use your treats because that will help that will help to teach him that he's doing the right thing and also it tells him that he is successful. However, what can happen is if you use treats all the time with your dog, they can actually get to the point where the treat is a cue for them to do something. And if the treat isn't there, they don't think that you mean the same thing. For example, your dog may, if they see a treat in your hand and you say sit, understand, oh, okay, that means that I put my behind on the ground. But if they don't see the treat, if that part's missing and you say sit, then it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing to them. And again, that's um, the generalization and the fact that dogs don't tend to do that on, on their own. So what you'll want to do is start working with him where you where you have the treats available. Okay, you give him one, you give him one, you give him one. Then don't give him one. And then for the next time that he does it, give him one, give him give him one, give him one. So you're go- so what you're going to do basically what I mean by this is say that you want him to sit again. Have him sit you know 3 times and each of those times give him a treat. The fourth time just skip the treat. And then the fifth time, go ahead and give him a treat again. So that way what you're doing is you're going to slowly work off of the treats. If you go ahead and treat him like normal and then just every now and then forget a treat, then it won't be, it shouldn't be too much of a big deal to get him to keep working. And then what you do is slowly you just work on forgetting the treats more and more. 
but continue go, continue going ahead and giving him treats intermittently. When you can get him to, say, sit for you four times and only one of those times you give him a treat, then that's actually a much stronger behavior than when he will sit for you just for treats. And that's, um, it seems like, what you're wanting to get at. So that's one thing to work on with that. Now, um, you also said that you also said that you've moved into your new home and he's barking whenever people come by. What you can do, what you can do with that is you, you said that um, you tried calming him. Dogs, in a lot of cases, when, they, when we try to calm them down, they actually think of that as reinforcement. And that, help, that means that they're going to repeat that behavior. They think that you've told them it's a good thing. So, so you're absolutely right to not continue with calming him. However, with averting his attention... That would be the best way to take care of it. If you can go ahead and go outside with him for right now while he's while he's doing this barking, try not to have him outside unless you're there with him so that you can help to take him out of the situation. Make sure that you work on your recall command or calling him to you. Then what I'd like you to do is whenever this happens, whenever somebody is coming by and he's and he's going to bark, Go over, go over to him. He'll probably be by the by the fence. Go over to him and distract him. You can touch it. You can touch his collar. You can. It's great to have treats at this time. Make sure that they're very, very special treats that are just for this situation. Go ahead and use that to divert his attention and try to kind of get him to go into the house with you. What you're doing is you're taking him out of the situation. But go ahead and get his attention. Give him a little treat. Um, Make him come a little bit closer to to where you are. Give him another treat. Back up and just back towards the house, bringing him with you. You're going to kind of you know use the treats to lead him on in. Continue doing that whenever this situation occurs. And what's happening is you won't actually be reinforcing the barking. You will be reinforcing when he turns to you and when he follows you instead of barking. Now, if you do this consistently, then... After a certain amount of time, it'll get to where he goes to bark at the person and he, he notices that you're walking over and he says to himself, oh, treats, because as you've said, he likes treats a lot. So he'll say, oh, treats, and he'll come to you to get his treat. At that point, when you see him coming away from the fence before you get over to him, that's when you can um, start going farther, farther and farther away and he will still be and he will still come to you and be able to leave the situation. Now, at the same time you're working on your recall command and your come um, command, you want to make that very, very strong with him so that he will leave any type of a distraction to come to you. Treats are also very helpful to get that. And then eventually working on these two things, it will get to the point where you can be standing at the door to your house, he starts barking, you call him to come to you and you go inside. Now, what you're doing is you're kind of teaching him that when these people are coming by and he feels like he needs to protect your property, instead you're taking him out of the situation and telling him he doesn't have to protect it. You're going to go ahead and, and take care of it. And he will start, rather than barking, he'll see other people and think, oh, okay, I'll just go ahead out of the situation. Or he won't bark at all. It'll take time. It'll take consistency. But if you continually stay outside with him and work on your recall command and also work on tempting him back into the house and, and removing him from the situation, then that will help to resolve it over some time. 
Now, um, you also said that he that he lunges at bicycles. Now he's he's a collie. A lot of herding dogs do that. They they tend to go want to run after things that go by them very fast. What you can do what you can do then is if you've been working in obedience and working on healing, that's a very helpful very helpful technique here. And specifically what's help what's most helpful is the part where he is sitting next to you. If you see a, if you see a bicycle, one good thing to do would be to go ahead and get him sitting next to you. And so long as he stays calm next to you, go ahead and you can treat him. You can praise him by petting him, but try to keep him sitting next to you. He may he may jump and he may, you know, he may go after the person, but what you're going to do is call him back to his sit. And again, it will take some work and some consistency, but but eventually he will learn when he sees that bicycle to go ahead and sit by you. And you're going to make him want to do it because that's when he gets treats and he gets love and all kinds of great things that are associated with that. Now, for the 30-minute down stay, um, I, I don't really recommend pinning them down. I mean, if you, if you think about it, if somebody were to, say, pin me down for any, for any amount of time, that might freak me out too, and I might behave in much the same way that Barrett did. So I can understand where, where he's coming from there. But what you can do, there are a few things. One, one being that you can go ahead and just stay there, stay there with him. Hold on to his lead so he's not going to run off somewhere. Um, but whenever he gets up, just go ahead and put him back in his down. Now, people can do this different ways. With some dogs, if you just kind of push right between their shoulders, they'll just kind of fold up into their down. And that's, I mean, that's nothing bad. Don't make it into a shoving match or anything like that. It should just, it should just be some gentle pressure and that should be enough. If that's not going to get them down, another thing that you can do is you can try actually using treats. If you do that, you're going to want a lot of real, real small, but yummy treats. What, and then what you can do is you can use the treats to go ahead and lure them into the down go ahead and give them the stay and when they get there you can go ahead you can go ahead and give them a treat but what you want to do after that is watch your dog very very closely you don't want your dog to get back up and the way you're going to keep your dog from getting back up is when you watch look for anything that signals that your dog is getting fidgety it could be their ear twitches it could be they turn their head it could be they move their foot anytime that they fidget at all and they're not in a super relaxed position, then what you're going to do is tell, tell your dog good stay and treat your dog then while they're still on the ground before they've had a chance to get up and break the stay. That way, you're reinforcing what they should be doing. You're giving, you're giving them some praise, that, which is very reinforcing as well, and they get the treat. So they learn, hmm, okay, if I just lay here, then I'm going to get the treat. Well, that's kind of nice. I can do that. And just go ahead and keep watching. Keep watching that. Uh, at first, you'll probably be giving them a treat every minute or so. If they if they do go for quite some time without without moving or getting fidgety at all, then you can train them for that as well. Just make sure that when you give them the treat, that they're not going to think that that means okay, I get up and go take off now. If they do, that's why you have the lead. You go ahead and use the treat to get them back into the down stay. But basically. I said your challenge is to make it so that they never do actually get up, but that takes that takes um, some really really good timing. So that's that's why it's a challenge. 
Now, if they do get if they get up too many times, then what what will be happening is they'll actually start kind of training you to give them the downstay command so they can get a treat. So what you want to so what you want to do is go ahead and try to keep them down. If they do get up, go ahead and bring them back into that downstay. But each time that you do it, hold on to that treat for just a second longer so that they're learning that they need to stay down in order to get the treat. And don't forget that when they are being good, if they've stayed there for a minute or or so, then you can go ahead and at that point praise them and give them a the treat too. Yes, you'll be giving them a lot of treats, but here, but you know, Barrett responds to treats, and many many dogs do. So what you're doing is you're reinforcing good behavior so that they don't they don't have a chance to mess up. So that's something that's something that can help a lot. Then at the end of the 30 minutes, then go ahead and give them a release word, something to tell, something to tell Barrett to tell um, if you know for anybody else working on this to tell your dog that it's okay for them to get up. And then you can go play and have fun, and that's very rewarding too. So, all right, so that those are some some tips to help you with the 30 minute downstay. Now. If you just if you're just having too hard of a time getting him to stay down like that, um, some people some people will when they're first teaching teaching that just go ahead and put them down and stand on the leash so that so that it's not you holding them down it's their you know their collar their harness holding them down. That's something that you can try um, if the other techniques aren't working for you. But Barrett since he since he since he didn't like being held down before, he may react badly to it. There is a difference between holding them down by their their lead versus holding them down bodily. Um, if you hold them down by the lead, all they you know all they know it doesn't look like you're holding them down. It just to them is okay. Well, you know they said I should stay here, so I am kind of being held here. Okay, and they'll you know kind of give up and lay down sometimes. So you can you can try that, but try the other methods first and see if you can get it if you can get it to work that way. And basically, basically what you what you want your dog to do is eventually to just kind of get real relaxed and roll over and go to sleep or something like that. And that that's um, those are some ways to do your thirty minute down stay. So now this this one technique isn't going to necessarily. Um, you know, by itself achieve, say, the level of dominance that you that you had asked about. But um, ac- but actually working with him with treats and slowly weaning him off the treats by doing the intermittent reinforcement that we had talked about before, that's what will get him to work for you regardless of if you have treats. And also um, establishing yourself as the dominant pack leader, the 30-minute downstay will help with that quite a bit. But there are a number of other things that you will want to do as well, a number of other techniques. Um, it, first of all, if you're concerned about pack leadership, you will not want him to be on the bed or on the furniture with you. You'll want him to have to stay down off of that. And in addition, another thing that you can do that will help greatly with this is whenever you come home, don't go right to him and, and say hello and greet him. What you want to do is take, take about 10 minutes to let him, you know, calm down from the excitement and then go ahead and call him to you. Once once everybody's calmed down, you've come in and kind of done done your thing, call him to you, have him do something for you, either sit or down, and that's when you pet him and say hello to him. That way what you're doing is 
it's not just it's not just him coming up to you because you're home. It's him doing something for you. And in addition, any time that he does want to be pet or he does want attention, go ahead and have him do something for you. Your sit, your you know, just a simple sit or a simple down or a simple you know quick down stay, and that will that will reinforce you as the pack leader. And also, it will make your praise that much more valuable if he has to kind of work for it a little bit. So, um, so that's, that's basically, um, what I have for you for some of your questions. Interesting, interestingly enough, um, that so far as the nails, I, I do have a really great, a couple of really great techniques for doing dog's nails that I will be addressing on another show. So everybody wants to listen in for that. And that should be something that'll be a lot of fun. We also received an email from a listener in New York named Melissa. She sent us the story of her dog, Gretchen, who was her first senior rescue. And she says that her experience with Gretchen turned her on to the joys of helping older dogs. You can see pictures of Gretchen in our gallery. And here's her story. It all started with a phone call from a friend. My friend rescues dogs, and he was calling to beg me to foster one for him. The dog in question is what he described as an ancient Weimaraner slash pit bull mix, which he had just taken from the city shelter where she was due to be euthanized that day. He knew my last foster had recently been adopted and he had nothing else to do with this old girl. I already had three dogs and I was ready for a break with just them and was reluctant to take in another foster. But my friend begged. He had nowhere else for the dog to go. Reluctantly, I agreed. When I first saw the old dog, all I could think was how pitiful she looked. The big gray animal was painfully thin and her coat was dull and dry. Her nipples hung very low from having multiple litters of puppies sucking on them. But her appearance was not what bothered me most. The most disturbing thing was that the dog would not look at me. She stared past me with a dead look in her eyes, one that plainly said, I don't care what happens to me anymore. She would not accept any food or show any emotion. My friend told me the dog's name was Gretchen and left her with me. The first night I had Gretchen, she showed no response to me, my dogs, or any food. I spent the night petting and talking to Gretchen, but could not elicit a reaction. We continued like this for a little while, but slowly things began to change. The dog that once would eat nothing now stole every piece of food or non-food that she deemed edible she could. I now found the dog that once would not look at me, bothering me for attention whenever she could. She slept next to me in my bed every night, barking at the other dogs to move if they were in her spot. Gretchen quickly became my best friend. She gained weight and her coat became shiny. Her once dull and dead eyes came to life with a special spark. She was happy now, very possibly for the first time in her life. Gretchen soon made it clear that I was no longer fostering her. She was staying. I was privileged to spend two and a half wonderful years with Gretchen. Finally, her multiple health problems became too much for her, and I had to make the difficult decision to let her go. As I held her in my arms, with tears flowing down my face, I told her how much I loved her. I watched the spark in her eyes and knew that she loved me too. The fact that she was a senior when she entered my life did nothing to lessen the bond between us. I wish I had more time with Gretchen, but I am grateful for the time we did have together. I am glad that Gretchen got to know what it was like to be loved, and I got to know an amazing dog like Gretchen. Melissa, we're glad that you got to know her too, and thank you so much for sharing that with us. It's absolutely amazing 
um, how resilient dogs are and how much love they have to give even when they come from such difficult, difficult backgrounds and are in such difficult situations. But she sounds to me like she was very lucky to have found you. So I wanted to share a little bit of information about adopting senior dogs because as Melissa's story shows, that's something that is very rewarding and they can be absolutely wonderful pets. Now, most people, when they think about getting a dog, think about getting a puppy or if they are or if they come across them, maybe a dog that's a little bit older. But there are several very, very great advantages to adopting an older dog. Now, what exactly makes a senior dog? That depends partially on the breed or size of the dog. Um, the The age range can be anywhere from five years old for a, for a large dog to twelve years old for a small dog. But generally speaking, um, most dogs hit their senior age when they're right around seven years old. So here are some reasons for adopting an older dog. And this comes from the top 10 reasons to adopt an older dog from Labrador Retriever Rescue. Number one, they're house trained. You won't have to go through the difficult stages of teaching a puppy house manners and mopping slash cleaning up after accidents. And that, that is a big, big thing. Ask anybody with a, with a puppy who has little accidents still in the house, and it's wonderful to get a dog where that's already been done for you. They won't chew up appropriate items. Older dogs aren't teething like puppies, and they generally have calmed down enough that they don't have quite the urge to chew that younger dogs do. So you don't have to worry about them chewing on shoes and furniture and occasionally the baseboards. All right, number three. Focus to learn. Older dogs can focus well because they've mellowed and therefore they can learn quickly. It is truly a myth that old dogs can't learn new tricks. As a matter of fact, from te- from teaching puppy class and also from having experience training older dogs, I can tell you that in a lot of cases I consider training the older dogs to be easier because they have a much, much better attention span. Puppies puppies are adorable, and they can definitely learn very well, but you kind of have to fight for their attention a little bit. The older dogs have already kind of learned how to focus in on one thing and also how to focus in on a person very well. And sometimes they even come pre-trained with some manners, so that's a good step in the right direction as well. Number four, older dogs have learned what no means. Um, they de- they definitely do. As a matter of fact, one of the one of the tougher things with an older dog may be trying not to use the word no because they may have heard it quite a bit in their earlier years. But um, you know, if they hadn't if they hadn't learned it, they wouldn't have become older. So they so they know what that means, and they know how to also control themselves to stop if they're misbehaving. Older dogs also settle in easily with their new pack. Because they've had they've had experience, um, the you know, with different situations, and they've learned how to behave correctly in the pack. Now, number six, they are good at giving love once they get into their new home. A lot of times, it does seem as if they know that they've gotten another chance, and they you know they're grateful for it. They love they love their people. You never have to worry about a dog not being able to bond with you just because it's been somewhere else first. 
um, because they they absolutely can and they absolutely do. And it, normally it happens very, very quickly. Um, again, puppies kind of get distracted and are still exploring the world, but the older dog, they pretty, they pretty much want to be with you. And so they bond very quickly with you and give you lots and lots of love. Now, number seven, and this is one of my favorite. What you see is what you get. Um, with an older dog, they're, they're full grown, they're kind of set in their ways. You can really tell from interacting with them what their personality is like. And chances are that is not, is not going to change too, too very much. Now, in the story of Gretchen, at first she was very withdrawn. Well, she had been through a, you know, through a difficult time. However, once she felt that she was in a safe, loving place, her personality shined. Um, what you're not what you're not going to see with an older dog is you're not you're probably not going to see a very gentle loving dog suddenly develop aggression problems. You probably won't see a very calm dog suddenly turn hyperactive. If they do, then um, chances are there may be a medical reason behind it. But general generally speaking, how who they are at that point is who they are, and that's wonderful because you can then look for the dog that is going to fit into your lifestyle, and they will most likely stay that way. You don't have to worry about them about them getting bigger or anything like that. You already know what they're like. It says also here that number eight, older dogs are instant companions. They're ready for hiking, car trips, um, other other things that you may want to do. With younger dogs, you generally have to have to wait until, first of all, they're old enough and big enough to go along with you, and then until they're trained in order to do things with you. Older dogs, generally speaking, they already know how to walk on a leash, and they've been in a car or two, and they, they generally know how to handle those situations. So you can bring them right out to go everywhere with, with you. Number nine, older dogs leave you time for yourself. You don't have to worry about about rushing them outside every couple of hours because you're trying to housebreak them. You don't have to worry as much about um, separation anxiety problems because they're probably used to people coming and going. You don't have to worry about what they're going to do to your house while you're gone. You can go ahead and, and leave them at home when you need to, being pretty confident that everything will be okay. Now, when you're at home with them, of course, they want, they want your time and they want your attention and they want to be around you. However, that is that is much more likely to be them standing next to you or sleeping at your feet than trying to um, jump jump up on you. So that's something that's kind of nice as well. And last of all, number ten, older dogs let you get a good night's sleep because they're already accustomed to human schedules. They're not going to need things like nighttime feedings or nighttime bathroom breaks. They may occasionally have a bad dream, but that's but that's pretty rare. They they don't normally wake up wake up yelping like the little puppies sometimes do. So while puppies are, you know, are cute and, you know, there's there's a lot of work involved, um, the, with older dogs, they're absolutely wonderful pets and they, they come that way pretty, pretty much ready to just settle in, become a part of your pack and start out as a great pet. With our, with our dogs, um, we've gotten them both full grown. Toby, Toby was full grown. He was an older, older puppy. So we, so we did have to deal with some puppy behavior there. Um, at the time I was teaching and he literally ate my kids homework one time. Um, but with Kyler, she, she came in and she just has such a calm, sweet personality. People constantly give us compliments on how wonderful she is. And I really wish I could take the credit, but she just kind of came that way. 
Yeah, she was like three years old mm-hmm. when we got her. She was well with her. It's kind of a guess as to what her age That's was. True. Yeah, because they didn't um, they didn't know at the at the animal shelter how old she is. So she could be. We we don't know. We're th- I mean, now she could she could be five. She could be she could be three. She could be nine. We don't know. But um, but she had, but she has a great demeanor. And get, getting her older was was such such a wonderful thing for us that we're we're actually really really strongly thinking that in the future when we bring dogs into our house they will most likely be older too and all of all of the reasons that i just read for you read to you for getting older dogs those are even more pronounced when you're talking about senior dogs because they generally tend to be very calm and very mellow they can still they can still go places and do things with you but if you're worried that you might not have the energy for a young dog and you don't want to have to take them um, jogging a lot of times the older dogs can get by with a little bit less exercise so that's a good thing too so i highly recommend that for anybody who's looking for a dog that you do consider a senior dog as well because they make absolutely excellent companions and as melissa shared with us um they can they can quickly become your very very best friend so thanks melissa and again we'll have gretchen's picture up and now I think we're just about at the end of the show. So Walter was going to tell you about some pictures that we were going to put up that some of our listeners had sent in. Thanks, Tara. We have some new pictures that our listeners sent in for the listener picture gallery. Of course, we have Melissa's dog, Gretchen, that Tara was just talking about in the gallery now. And uh, Sherry's dog, Barrett, that Tara was talking about earlier, is also in the gallery. And also, Jose from Maryland sent in a picture of his bearded collie, Berto. Thanks for introducing them, Walter. Um, we actually did get an email from Jose, as well as some emails from some other listeners that we didn't have a chance to get to tonight. But we will get into those emails and shows in the near future. So thank you all for sending them in. And I would like to remind our listeners to please continue sending in your questions, comments, and stories. We love getting emails from the listeners. It just makes our day. And of course, please continue sending in your pictures. And we'll put them up on the gallery as well. So we really enjoy seeing those and seeing all of all of the cute dogs and the beautiful dogs. And they're just absolutely wonderful pictures. Now, in addition to emailing us, you can also, of course, leave a voicemail for us for your questions and stories and comments on our voicemail line. The information for that will be available for you at the end of the show. And with that, I think it is time for us to sign off. So as always, if you haven't already, please spay or neuter your dog. It's the best thing that you can do for your furry friend. If you have a question for Tara or a comment about Canine Cast, please leave us a voice message by calling 206-338-DOGS. That's 206-338-3647. Or post a comment on our website at caninecast.com. That's the letter K, the number 9, cast.com.